Thank you so much for being here. It is a very special day, as we've talked about a few times here at Radiate. Uh, we are celebrating uh, baptisms today, and that is always a massive deal for us here at Radiate Church because uh, baptism is an outward expression of someone going, you know what, God's changed my life so much on the inside, and uh, I want everybody to see that. And at Radiate, we don't take it as just a moment. Uh, in fact, we like being loud here at Radiate. We don't like being very quiet about much. And, uh, and so we love to celebrate. And by celebrating, we're letting them know, hey, we got you. We're praying with you. We're going to walk this out with you. Uh, we have a value at Radiate. It says we don't do life alone. Uh, we do life together uh, because we believe that we have to walk this thing out together. And so uh, in just a little while after the message, we're going to baptize some folks, uh, some very special people, and we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a blast. And uh, I just want to go ahead and let you know right at the very beginning, uh, whenever they go under and they come back up and they're wipe, wiping the, that water off their face and they come up, listen, it, it, baptism does not save you. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism is the moment of going, this is me showing you, everybody in the world, of what has happened on the inside of me, that I used to be this person, and then I went under the water, under the blood of Christ, and I came back up a new creature. I came back up somebody new. Come on, somebody. Y'all make some noise. Let's go. And... Um, and so when they come back up in just a few minutes during baptism, I want you to make some noise. You're going to, listen, I want to go ahead and let you know, there's going to be confetti. You're going to hear a big pop, all right? Don't get scared. It's all right, all right? It startled me at the 830, not going to lie. Happened right next to my ear, and I ran for cover. Like, I was, was going to jump in the tub with the guy. So, um, no, just letting you know, uh, because we just believe in celebrating, and, uh, and we want to do that. So, hey, we're in week two of a series called Walk It Out, and we're looking at the beginning of this year. What does it look like to walk out faith? What does it look like to walk out a purpose that God has given us? And, uh, and we're, gonna, we're looking a lot at the life of the Apostle Paul, the life and the teachings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Uh, if you missed last week, the setup for the series, I really encourage you to go back to our YouTube, social media channels, website, whatever, um, our, our podcast, and go check that out uh, because it, I think it'll really set up the whole series for us moving forward. Uh, but today we're in week two. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. While you're turning there, I want to ask you to be a part of something with me. Um, you know, I really believe that we're a part of an amazing church. And, and uh, around the first of the year, a lot of my friends, their churches and tons of people across the country, they do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I think that's incredible. Um, but I don't like to do things just because other people do them. And so I kind of just like hey God, when and where and how do we, do we follow that? And I really felt like over the past couple of days that um, I wanted us and God wanted us as a church, as a body to kind of participate in that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's not real organized this time around, and, and that's fine. I, I, I think that's okay. It's, I would love for it to be more organic anyway. And so what I would love for you to do is join me in the leadership of this church in 14 days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow. And here's what that looks like. Fasting is the commitment to go, I'm gonna give up something of sacrifice for me. I'm gonna give up something for 14 days and I'm gonna deny my flesh that and I'm gonna spend that time 
in prayer. Maybe it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Maybe it's sugar. Maybe it's sodas. Maybe it's a full fast. Um, Whatever that looks like for you. Maybe uh, social media is a real hard thing. Listen, don't give up something easy. All right? Give up something that's an actual sacrifice, something that's going to make you go in the day, during the day, and go, oh, man, I really want that. Man, I really want, like, that Swiss cake roll. (laughs) I really want that sugar. I really want that. So whatever it is, and and give that, and then when that craving hits, it's a reminder to go, hey, let me spend time with God. Let me pray. And here's what I want you to pray for, right? Um, If you follow me on social media, um, I'm going to throw out some prayer prompts throughout the time. Again, it's not incredibly organized. I don't have it all worked out. Uh, I just felt like we needed to do it. And and I'd love for you to pray with us. Uh, I would love for you to pray uh, that God moves in your life and in your family's life. Uh, That God would bring people that you've been praying for to come to know Jesus would that you'd pray for them a little bit harder in those 14 days and that God would move in in your life and in your family's life. I pray, uh, I'd love for you to pray with me that God would move in our community, that God would would move in our community and show us ways that we can serve our community better and make him known in greater ways and that God would move in your church. For most of you in the room and a lot of you in the room, this is your church. So I want you to pray for Radiate, that we'd have a greater 2023 than 2022. We had an amazing, 20, we had a record-shattering 2022 here at Radiate Church. I'd love to have a greater 2023 because we're reaching so many people with the love of Jesus. But if you're here today and you're from another church, can I ask you, pray for, their, for that church. Pray for your church, that God would move in your church because we are all in this trying to reach people for the glory of God no matter what. So I just want you to pray uh, that God would move personally, corporately, and spiritually uh, over the next 14 days and, uh, and fast during those 14 days. Fast something during those 14 days. And I, I believe we'll see something great from God in those, in those days. So we've been in this series, Walk It Out. If you're taking notes, and, and, and we say here at Ready A that note takers are what? History makers. And uh, so if you're going to title the message, you can title it, Leave No Doubt. Leave No Doubt. There's a question that I get asked a lot. Uh, that I hear asked a lot in, in a myriad of different ways. It's not always just one way or directly this way. Uh, it's a Christianity question that I think really does need to be answered. Uh, I've had to work through it personally in, in my spiritual journey. Uh, I know, and I, and I believe there's probably a lot of you in the room uh, that, that kind of in some way, shape, or form are dealing with this question a little bit as well. And, it, and it's this. It, it's some form of this root of question. If If God loves us and God gave his life to forgive us of everything we would do wrong, right? If if I'm already forgiven of everything I've done wrong, whenever I pray that prayer and whenever I accept Jesus into my life, then why does it matter how I live my life? Now, I'm not talking about just outside of, I'm talking, you know, just I don't have to be a decent person. I think, I'm not talking about just being somebody that just ram, uh, runs roughshod over everybody and, and, and just treats everybody terrible. But why does it matter how I treat people? That, why does it matter if I withhold my anger? Why does it matter if I don't disparage a reputation? Why does it matter if I have this, this idea, if I live this way and I do this? If Jesus really forgave me, then all that's forgiven anyway when I walk in a relationship with him. And, and, and I kind of get the question. Like, I've heard people say it like this, and they're very genuine, and, and they get the heart of the gospel whenever they say, well, me doing that is under the blood. It's under Jesus. And, and I agree. And I can't earn my salvation anyway, because the truth is, hear me, 
you're not God. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You're not God enough to forgive of your own salvation, uh, forgive of your own sins and to bring yourself to salvation. You are not that. There's one way to the Father. The Bible teaches us over and over again. There's one way to the Father and it is through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. It is not through you. And so like we get these questions like if I can't earn salvation, then why does it matter how I act? Why does it matter if I participate and serve Saturdays? Why does it matter if I take what the apostle Paul says and forsake not the gathering of the brothers or going to church in a very simplistic term? Why does it matter if I go to life group? Why does it matter if I'm not respectful and honoring towards people? And I, again, I, I get the heart of the question because the truth of the matter is he does forgive us he he is there with us but I want to answer it in kind of a practical logical little bit of a way it's kind of how I think and it's like this if you and I let's say you don't know much about me right most of you in this room don't know much about me I don't know much about you I'm honored to be your pastor I'm honored to speak the gospel to you today I'm honored that you in some way shape or form value my voice enough that you want to learn from what I uh, God has to say to and through me I, I love that but let's say we go to lunch one day and we sit down for 30, 45 minutes and we're eating uh, a sandwich or something. And, and as we uh, spend time together, undoubtedly, we're going to learn a little bit about each other. That's not going to be a depth, right? But you're going to learn a little bit about me. You're going to learn probably within those 45 minutes or so, you're going to learn about four things about me. Number one, hopefully you're going to learn that I absolutely love Jesus that I am absolutely in love with a savior that gave his life because he sees something in me that I don't always even see in myself, that he gave his life so that I could have eternal life. Like hopefully within that amount of time, you're gonna find out I love Jesus. Then you're gonna find out that I love my family. I absolutely love my family. I love my three kids, I love my wife, I love my mom and dad, I love my brother, my in-laws, all, like I just love my family. I have a blast with my family. I woke up and my four-year-old wanted to wrestle this morning. Like, I love it. He goes, are you ready to battle? And I was like, no coffee yet. So no, I'm not. In fact, it could turn ugly. I'd have had no caffeine. I love my Jesus. I love my family. I love my church. Hopefully you'll find that out. And it's not just because I'm the pastor. It's because I really believe that we have one of the greatest churches around with some of the greatest people on the face of the planet right here at Radiate Church. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased. I don't know. But I love our church. I love that we serve the community every month. I love that we serve the community all the time. I love we serve each other and serve Jesus. Like, I love that. And you'll find out, lastly, that I love football. Come on, anybody with me? I am a South Carolina Gamecock fanatic. I love football, right? Jesus' blood was closer to garnet than it was orange or purple. I'm just saying, you know, just saying. Jesus was a Gamecock. Anyway, let's keep going. Just playing. Some of y'all take football way more serious than me. No, but you'd find out that I love football. Why would you find that out? Through conversation what I talk about, how I talk about it, right? The excitement I have about those things. And as we spent more time together, I'd find out things about you, you'd find that, that you love by the, the same things. And as we spent more time together, I'd find out what you love or you'd find out what I love by the way that I spend my money, by the way that I use my time, by, by the way that I value, prioritize things. Like for instance, for me, 
My priority is um, about five, six o'clock on Saturdays. It is very rare that I'm doing anything outside of my house or outside of just a few set things that I'm going to do on Saturday nights because Sunday mornings are an absolute priority for me. Yes, it's my job, but it is also my, my Christian duty to gather with the brothers and learn together the family and learn together, right? And so I, you can find that out, not just by knowing I'm a pastor, but by going, me going, hey, are you going, hey, Saturday night I got this going on. Uh, you know what? Sorry, I'd love to. If it was another night, I could probably swing it, but Saturday nights I can't. I get up real early for Sunday morning church, and, and it's just kind of what I do. Uh, maybe after church. And so by that one saying no to something, you found out what I say yes to. Are you with me today? And so you can find a lot of that out. So how, why is it important how I live my life? Because the way I live my life is an indication of what I value in my life. Where I spend my time, where I spend my money, what I talk about, what I don't talk about. You won't hear me talk a whole lot about politics. You know why? I don't value them. They don't run my life. And so, therefore, I'm not going to talk a ton about that. And when I do, I'm not going to be very excited about it. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, yeah, whatever. All right, here, here's what's going on. So the re And some of you are different. I'm not saying you need to have the same passions and cares that I do. What I am saying is we can learn about what we value. So why does it matter what we do with our life? Because it is a worshipful act towards God. Here's what worship is. Baptism is an act of worship, by the way. Today, you're going to watch people get baptized, and it is an act of worship. Worship and baptism is an outward expression of the response of God. It is our response to God's love. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says it like this. Therefore, I urge you, or I'm begging you, brothers, by the mercies of God. We say it like this in today's term. For the love of God. Paul's saying it like this. For the mercy of God, I am begging you to present your favorite song. No. To present your style of worship that you love. No. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Can we stop right there for a second and take a little bit of inward uh, 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 inventory? Y'all, my life is not always acceptable to God. I know y'all think pastors just float and glow in the dark with a halo, <laughs> right? But the truth is, is like, our lives aren't always acceptable to God, are they? There are thoughts we have, words we say, actions we do. When that person cuts you off on the interstate, you already know. Come on, don't play. Come on. I was driving into work, in, in, into the, the parking lot this morning, and as soon as I turned the corner, my coffee lid on my cup fell off. Guess where the coffee went? Right here. You ever driven like this, trying to keep your butt up off the seat, doing that whole thing? That was me coming in the parking lot. I sat about six inches higher when everybody saw me driving in. My wife, I had to call her and go, I hope you hadn't left yet because I need some jeans. So the truth, like, you know what I'm saying? Those moments are going to be acceptable to God or they're not. In our life, being presented to God as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, watch this, which is your spiritual service of worship. Worship is an outward expression of the uh, response that we have to God's love. Watch what 
verse 2 says. And don't be conformed to the world. In order, don't change your view. Don't change your faith to the world. But be transformed or changed by your mind being made new or by the renewing of your mind. Watch this. You change and your mind is made new. Why? So that I can prove. What is proof? Evidence. What is evidence? Something you see or experience yourself. Wow. So that you can prove what the will of God is. What if I can give others evidence of God's purpose in their life by the way I live mine? What if whenever I live my life in response to God's love, it is evidence to Pastor Travis that God loves him? And that if God can save somebody like me, my God, God can save somebody like you. If God can bring me out of what he's brought me out of, he can bring you out of what he's brought what he wants to bring you out of. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. It is our act of worship. I, I want to switch a little bit of our ideology today because the truth is, is worship is absolutely what we experience on Sunday mornings. It is absolutely singing songs. It is absolutely lifting our hands. It is absolutely getting jacked up about worship. It is not stylistic Worship is not stylistic. I have no problem with any style. I'm, I'm fine with worship. I listen, Pastor Chris will tell you, I have a very wide array of worship songs. I'll listen to the old school Pentecostal. I'll listen to Israel Hooten. I'll listen to I'll fly, I'll fly away, oh glory. Y'all know nothing about that. Come on, somebody. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Come on. Y'all don't know. Y'all know. I ain't going with that. But worship is not style. Worship is response. What we experience in the song is opportunity to respond to the declaration of the words of the song. So when I say, God, you turn graves into gardens, when I lift my hands, I'm going, God, you take my darkest moments, my most deadly secrets, the things that I are about to kill me, and you turn them into life because you are God and God alone. It is a moment of response to what's taking place, but worship, watch this. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is every day. Worship is the way you treat the person that you don't know. Worship is the way you treat your spouse. Worship is the way that you parent your kids. Worship is the way that you love people you don't wanna love. Worship is the way that you forgive or don't forgive. Worship is the way that you are generous or not generous. Worship is every bit of that. Worship is the way that we react when somebody does cut us off in traffic. That's a scary thought for me. <laughs> Y'all too holy for that, but for me. And, and we got to get to this thing to where we go, worship is something different. And today we're going to see some worship. I want to take you to Acts chapter 16. And there's a moment here where Paul and Silas are walking and uh, they're doing ministry for a few days. And there's a woman with a spirit of fortune telling or a psychic following them around. And, and I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't want to super spiritualize this thing. She was getting on their ever-loving nerves. You ever looked at somebody and said, you want my last nerve? My last one. I ain't got another one after that. So you either back up or you're going to catch some hands. That's what they were saying to this woman. Not literally, but she was getting on their nerves. And so they turn around. And they noticed that she, was, uh, she had a spirit, a demonic spirit uh, in her. And they, they, it says in that moment they cast her 
and they cast the demon or the spirit out. And the people, even some of the higher echelons, got really mad about it because they were taking her spiritual depravity and her spiritual struggle, and they were making money off of it. A lot of people, hear me, will take your spiritual struggle and find a way to benefit themselves off of it. you got to be careful of those people. They were benefiting off of that. And so they got mad because they started losing money after that. So then they took them back in a back alley, quite literally, and started beating them and threw them in jail. Let's pick up at verse 23, where this is going to pick up. It says, when they had struck them, the, the, the mobs, when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So, in other words, they literally were chained to a wall. And they were put in an inner prison. Why does that matter? It's harder to escape from a prison cell that is surrounded by a bunch of other stuff. So they're sitting in this thing, right? And, 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 and their feet are in stocks. And then it says, let's keep reading the whole thing. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul, before he could do that, Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, we are all here. And he called for lights and they rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Watch this. And after he brought them out of the jail cell, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, what must I do to have the faith you have? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and he washed their wounds and immediately he was baptized. He and all of his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. I want to give you a few things that we can learn in this story, very popular story in church culture, in, 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 that we can learn in this story about worship our lifestyle, and why it matters. Number one is worship is the response to real faith. To real faith. Here's the thing that we kind of have to gather here is Paul and Silas were very aware that they were being watched by everybody. They were not on the most liked list. They were very aware that people did not like their faith, what they were teaching, what they were preaching, what they were praying, what they were believing, but their faith was not dependent on everybody else's approval. Their faith was dependent on their own approval. See, real faith is not a faith that you live because everybody else agrees. Real faith is a faith that you live because of what you know. When we base our faith on what everybody else tells us and what everybody else agrees with, then it's really hard to stand up in the middle of trial and circumstance. It's really hard to stand up when things get hard and things get difficult. Why? Because it's not a real faith, it's a taught faith. 
A real faith is a faith that I experience. A real faith is a faith that, like Paul and Silas had, that they've been through hell and back, but all of a sudden, there's something in them that goes, no, I don't really care if they like it. I don't really care if they're all about it. What I care about is I know who Jesus is. I know who God is, and I know who he is to me. Can I tell you, worship is a response to real faith. Worship is the outward expression of going, hey, My life is an indication of the goodness of God. I don't lift my hands on Sunday mornings or during songs or at random points in my life so that you look at me and go, that makes sense. I lift my hands because it's a moment of surrender going, I'm at the most vulnerable position physically of my life. God, do what you want. I give you all the, I release everything. I don't sing because I like the song. I do that when I have my country music playlist going. You know what I'm saying? I sing whenever I declare the words and the truths of what's in the song. I declare that. I go, no, this is, worship is a response to real faith. If there's anything I can encourage you to do today, today, it's this. Develop a real faith within you. Get to know how good God is through his word. Get to know the sacrifice of Jesus. Get to know the power of the Holy Spirit. Get to know what that looks like. Develop a real faith through the Bible and through uh, life groups and through uh, serving teams and through engage and then through all those things. And through, watch this, a, a, a transparent encounter with God. A transparent encounter with God. Don't build your faith based on the encounter that your parents and grandparents had. Or some of us build our faith based on the encounter that our kids had. I encourage you to find God for yourself. See, Paul and Silas were able to look people in the eye that they knew hated them and wanted them in prison and live the faith regardless. Why? Because it was a real faith. It was something deep on the inside of them. And half of us, or many, I don't want to say half, many of us, Live a faith that we don't even believe in. That's why when things get hard, it's easy to turn away. That's why when my, answer, my prayers aren't answered, I blame God instead of wait on God. That's why whenever things don't go my way, I can run from the church instead of to the church. Come on. That's why whenever my life gets too busy, the first thing that I eliminate is spiritual discipline. Because I'd rather, I'd rather sacrifice faith than friends. I'd rather sacrifice serving that the Bible tells us we should do rather than, you know, budgeting my time better or my finance, whatever. You see what I'm saying today? Response. Worship is a response to real faith. Here's number two. Worship, here's, this is a hard truth. Worship, living our life in worship, worship doesn't care about your feelings. Worship doesn't care about your feelings. Worship doesn't go, hey, how are you feeling today? Are you good? Can we worship today? Oh, no. You're, you don't feel what? Okay, we won't worship today. Yeah. <laughs> worship doesn't care about your feelings. God does care whenever you're sad, you're hurt, you're mad, you're frustrated, you're angry, whatever. God does care. But worship isn't dependent on feelings. Worship is dependent on faith. Worship, watch this, the act of worship on a Sunday morning gathering isn't even dependent on whether or not I like the song. It's dependent on whether or not I declare what the words are. I declare who he is. 
I will always lift my hands during build my life. Do you know why? Because I will build my life on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. It's not about knowing the song. It's not about liking the song. It's about loving the God. Are you with me today? So worship doesn't care about feelings. Watch this. They were singing hymns of praise when they felt the goosebumps. No. They were singing hymns of praise because that church didn't have the moving lights. No. Watch this. They were singing hymns of praise because God is real. And they were singing it while shackled to a wall. They had just gotten beaten in a back alley, and their response wasn't, I don't feel like it. Their response was, he deserves it. That's worship. Worship, yeah, you can clap for that. We're, we're all about uh, that stuff here. Worship isn't about feelings. Worship isn't about when you pull into the parking lot and spill coffee all over your lap. Whether or not you feel like being there. Worship is about, hey God, who are you? See, watch this. It doesn't matter if you feel like loving your spouse today. Ephesians 5 tells me that as husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loves the church. And as wives, we are to love and honor our husbands as the church does Christ. It doesn't say, hey, when you feel like it, it'd be great to do that. Hey, I don't always wake up feeling like being a godly parent all the time. But it's not an option. Because it's worship. I don't always wake up and feel like showing up to church all the time. But the Bible teaches me that I need to be with you. And you need to be with me so that we can get, get pumped up about what God's teaching us and where we're going. And, and you get what I'm saying? Like, we can be in prison and still worship. We can be in shackles and still worship. Because it's those moments that set us free. Number three, worship impacts lives. Do you understand that their lives were not the only lives impacted? It was an entire jail that was impacted. With the glory of God, the power of God. Why? Because they worshiped. Can I ask you actually a really difficult question? If you're a believer today, this is going to be tough. But I want to ask you a really difficult question. We are trained as humans that everything we do has a reward to it. Everything. You go to work, you get a paycheck. Right? You put this in, you get this out. Whatever it is, you, you figure out what the reward is. Doesn't matter. What if worship is not reward-based? What if you never get anything yourself out of living your life as worship to God? Is that okay? Is it okay if the only thing you ever get is nothing on this earth, but you get eternal life with him and that's it? And so you live your life for him. What if, let me take it a step further, what if everybody else gets the reward but you? What if the way you live your life gives everybody else freedom, but you never get to experience it the way that they do? What if the way that you live your life is, gener is generosity, gives everybody else free financial freedom, but you may, you know, you may not experience it like they do? Like they do. What if the way you live your life and your worship doesn't give? Watch this. Paul and Silas were absolutely set free. They experienced the reward on the other side of worship. And I believe that that's true. But they were also willing to go, I may die in this prison. And I'll still sing hymns of praise. Their worship impacted everybody around them. 
Their worship freed their prison doors. What if your worship gave somebody else the hope to go, the hell that I'm living in of bitterness and unforgiveness is not my reality because I watched them walk through it. And because I've watched them walk through it and I see the way they live their life now and I see the way that they live in worship, there is freedom for me as well. What if your life of God opening the prison doors in your life, what if it can also open the prison doors of theirs? Worship impacts lives. And the last one is, God's power changes things. God's power changes everything. The one thing I could not stop praying today on the way in was this. <laughs> God, nothing I do today can change anybody's life. I could preach the best sermon anybody's ever heard on the history of sermons. It's not going to change a life. You could spend three days in messages with me and teaching and all that with me. And I couldn't change your life nearly as much as three seconds in the power of God. It's God's power that changes everything. It's not your morality. It's God's power. See, it's only by God's power that I'm able to stand up here. It's only by God's power that I've been pulled out of hell. It's only by God's power that there's people that are going to get in this tank today and get baptized and we're going to celebrate them. It's only by God's power. It's not by man's. It's only by God's power that you have hope. It's only by God's power that you have grace. It's only by God's power that he loves you right where you are today but way too much to leave you there. It's only by God's power. It's not anything else. And when we realize that, then we see things like the jailer giving his life to Jesus. He was about to kill himself because the government was going to kill him if they all escaped. And he was like, let me take it into my own hands. And he went from almost killing himself to he gave himself up to the power of God because he saw the power of God in someone else. What if that was your testimony? And not only did it change the jailer's life, it changed his entire family's life. They gave their lives to Jesus and they went and immediately got baptized. Why? A response to the power of God or a moment of worship. See, here's where I want us to be today. The reality is, yes, it matters how we live our lives. I, I'm not saying live it perfect. I'm not saying you gotta be right. But there are things like loving your neighbor and loving your family and making a difference is, watch this, worship. And worship is a response and so it's not, as, it's not good enough to just go, hey, God, I don't want to go to hell. Keep me from hell. All right, good. I'm going to go live it here so I can experience heaven there. No, it's, God, I love you. Man, I don't deserve this. Thank you. And I live in response to the love that he's embraced me with. And for some of us, that is a challenge that God is saying, you've given your life to me. Now, live your life to me. And for some of us, the only way to start that, hear me, is you got to start with the relationship with Jesus in the first place. And he loves you. I've already said it once. He loves you right where you are, but way too much to leave you there. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a salvation prayer. I went a little longer on time. I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm going to pray a salvation prayer. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today and start an eternal relationship with God our Father, Here's all I'm going to ask you to do is just repeat that prayer with me in your seat. And then I'm going to ask you, if you pray that prayer and you believe that in your heart, to raise your hand. 
I'm not going to call you up, and I'm not going to call you out, but what I am going to do is ask you to raise your hand, and here's why. We have a value that says we do life together. Everybody that starts that relationship today, we want to give you a Bible. We want to give you somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with. We want to walk it out with you and answer your questions. This is not something we want you to do by yourself. We don't believe it's very easy to do that. So we want to help. <clears throat> and then I'm going to pray over everybody. And then we're going to worship to song. And I don't want you to just sing. Man, I want you to really experience worship for a moment. And then we're going to baptize a couple folks. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to go out and we're going to change the world by living the gospel. If you would, bow your heads with me today. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus in this moment, just repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive my past, forgive my present, and redeem my future. I thank you that you meet me where I am, but you don't want to leave me there. Help me walk with you every single day. I know I won't be perfect, but I do want to be faithful. Help me experience you in a new way and live life with you. Thank you for giving your life so that I could have eternal life. Now with eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to Jesus today, I believe that this is the new start for your eternal life. Would you hold your hand up right where you are? Just say, hey, I, I gave my life to Jesus today. I gave my life to Jesus today. Just hold it up till you get a clipboard. Amen. And at some point today, all I want you to do is fill that out and drop it off at the Connect Center because we want to walk with you. Now, if you would, stand to your feet with me. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I honor you. We worship you. God, we give you all of our life because when we worship, we go to the back burner and you go to the forefront. And so we do that today. And we're going to do that right now through song. We're going to lift our hands. We're going to lift our voices. We're going to lift our hearts. And we're going to worship you to show you that we love you. And then we're going to celebrate people that are going to get baptized. God, we love you and honor you.